0: man Thank you. offering this morning you love so great Jesus in all things I've seen a glimpse of your heart The stars in glory. you unravel me with the message child of God
1: How's everyone doing today? Good deal. Happy Father's Day. As David said, we are glad that you're here and not on a boat fishing or on a golf course. I know how dads are. We're like, hey, it's my day. I want to do what I want to do. And. Thank you for being here today to worship God. Uh, He truly is worthy of our worship uh, this morning. Uh, So let me take an opportunity to say, on behalf of Living Water, the staff here at Living Water, to say thank you to the fathers here uh, today. And as a token of our appreciation, we always try to give out a candy bar. You know, there's a little pun that goes along with whatever candy bar that we've done in the past. Uh, We've done paydays. We've done... Uh, what else we did? Hundred grand. We've done big hunk because we feel like dads are big hunks. Sometimes we'd never handed out nerds. We thought that would be offensive. <clears throat> but I was thinking about uh, this week, and you know, dads, uh, you're special, and we want this day to be special for you. And so my hope is that this day is filled with love and laughter, and I hope that at the end of the day, you feel a sense of satisfaction, like ah, this was just a good, good day. But I know how we are, and and there's going to be times throughout the day that you're going to get hungry, and we know that we're not ourselves when we're hungry. we become angry, and so I thought I would help us out to ensure that you have a good day today, because I have read that Snickers truly satisfies you, Um, and because you're not yourself when you're hungry, we wanted to just say, hey, dads, we love you. We appreciate you, and uh, on the way out of the the building this morning, if you would grab one of those, um, and just know that you're appreciated. I do appreciate your your leadership in your families, leadership in this church, in this community, dads. You are so, so, so important, and I hope that you know that uh, this morning. So as David mentioned, turn with me in the Bible to First Samuel chapter 12. First Samuel chapter 12, and the title of the message this morning is, Lead well, the stakes are high. Lead well; the stakes are high. So on Mother's Day, we began this series in the book of First Samuel, just spending some time learning some lessons, um, looking at Samuel as a character, and just some of the stories there. Um, and we intended on ending it today um, with this message on leadership. Now, that'll transition us into the rest of the summer. We're going to look at some leadership lessons because I feel like this is so important for our culture today. Leadership lessons from other characters in the Bible. So every week we'll just pick a character and we'll learn like one major leadership lesson from that character. Hopefully you'll join us for that as we take that journey through the rest of the summer. Uh, But today we're looking at Samuel's farewell address you know, we have elections in this country, and at the end of the election, a new president takes over. And it's very common for the president that has been defeated to step into the podium and give his farewell address, his farewell speech. And that's what this is for Samuel. Samuel is transitioning now from the leader of Israel, he'll still remain a prophet. He'll still remain a priest, but he's no longer the leader as judge for Israel because they have a new king. If you were here last week, we talked about uh, choices have consequences, so be careful what you ask for. They had asked for a king. They no longer wanted Samuel as their leader. God reminds Samuel, hey, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And so now Samuel is become their king. And to top things off, Samuel is victorious um, in his battle against the Ammonites. You remember uh, King Nahash was wanting to gouge out their eyes. And so Samuel, or excuse me, Saul finds out about this. He leads them into victory. And they are starting off on a good note. And so Samuel in this farewell address is addressing the nation of Israel. Lest they should become confident in the king that they now have. And ignore God or forget the God that brought them there he begins to give them this farewell address. So I want to read it. Um, It takes about three and a half minutes to read through it. Um, And then I want to share with you some things that I have gleaned out of the text, what I believe are some good characteristics of a good leader, a leader who leads well. So chapter 12, verse 1, let's read it together. Then Samuel addressed all Israel, I have done as you've asked, and I've given you a king. Your king is now your leader. I stand before you, an old man, gray-haired, and my sons serve you. I have served as your leader from the time I was a boy to this very day. Now testify against me in the presence of the Lord and before his anointed one, whose ox or donkey have I stolen? Have I ever cheated any of you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe or perverted justice? Tell me, and I will make right whatever I have done wrong. No, they replied, you've never cheated or oppressed us, and you have never even uh, taken even a single bride. The Lord and his anointed one are my witnesses today, Samuel declared, that my hands are clean. Yes, he is a witness, they replied. Samuel goes on, it was the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron, Samuel continued, he brought your ancestors out of the land of Egypt, now stand here quietly before the Lord as I remind you of all the great things the Lord has done for you and your ancestors. And he begins to give them a brief synopsis of their history, he says, when the Israelites were in Egypt and cried out to the Lord, he sent Moses and Aaron to rescue them from Egypt and bring them into this land. In verses 9 through 11, he gives a a summary of about 400 years of history. He says, But the people, while they were in that land, soon forgot about the Lord their God. So he handed them over to Sisera, the commander of Hazor's army, and also to the Philistines and to the king of Moab, who fought against them. Then they cried to the Lord again and confessed, We have sinned by turning away from the Lord and worshiping the images of Baal and Ashtoreth. But we will worship you and you alone if you will rescue us from our enemies." Then the Lord sent Gideon, Baden, or Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel to save you, and you lived in safety. But, verse 12, when you were afraid of Nahash, the king of Ammon, you came to me and said that you wanted a king to reign over you, even though the Lord your God was already your king. All right, here's the king you've chosen. You asked for him, and the Lord has granted your request. Verse 14, now... If you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. But if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be as heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors. Now, stand here and see the great things the Lord is about to do. He says, you know that it doesn't rain this time of the year during the wheat harvest. I will ask the Lord to send thunder and rain today. Then you will realize how wicked you have been in asking for the Lord, or the Lord for a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. Pray to the Lord your God for us, or we will die. They all said to Samuel, for now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong, but make sure now that you worship the Lord with all of your heart and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally worthless. The Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name. For it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. As for me, Samuel says, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And I will continue to teach what is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. But if you continue to sin, you and your new king will be swept away. Let's pray. Father, on this Father's Day, we're reminded of the greatest Father of all. You are a father to the fatherless. And Lord, the rest of us are just... Figuring this thing out called fatherhood. And so I thank you for the fathers that are here today. I, I thank you for the opportunity to gather together and worship and to mutually encourage one another. And I ask that you would open our hearts today, open our ears today to receive your truth from your word, Lord, that we would be challenged in our walk, and not just fathers, but everyone assembled here today, that we would um, hear from you today, and we would take your words and allow them to change us, and Father, we know that your word is powerful, and it brings that life change, so Lord, would you just please speak to us today, and I humbly ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So this is Samuel's farewell speech, he is handing off the baton of leadership, And as I was thinking about leadership, I thought of an illustration I wanted to start with, and many of you probably heard this before because I've shared it before, but I felt like it was relevant to what we were talking about today. So most of my younger life, I spent some time in the Scouts, and in the Scouts, you did a lot of cool things like camping and and whatnot. And there was one time when we went to southwest Oklahoma, the Wichita Mountains over by Lawton, Oklahoma. It's a wildlife refuge, free range, open buffalo. They may just be in front of your tent one morning. I mean, it was kind of cool. But we went there as scouts, and we were going to work on our merit badge. A merit badge, you know, they had an objective, and if you fulfill that, then you get this little patch that goes on your shirt. Hey, I accomplished this. And we were going to work that day on the hiking merit badge. And the way it worked was, you know, the, the, the leaders took us away from the camp and they took us to a starting point and they handed us a piece of paper that had coordinates and instructions and we all had a compass and we had our buddy system, and we had our water and we had a time limit. It was like, okay, we're going to give you four hours to get back to home base where the camps are at. And so if you just follow the instructions, look at the compass, do what we've taught you, then you should be able to ace this thing. You'll get your merit badge. So as it is with many groups, somebody steps up and says, I want the compass. You know, everybody's fighting to be the leader. And so one of the friends, I don't even remember which one it was now, grabs the compass and he's going to lead us. And so there we are like a bunch of ducks in a row following the leader. So he gets the, the paper out and he looks at the, the directions and he, he adjusts the compass and he, you know, to stabilize a little bit more, he puts it up next to his belt and his belly and he, he's like, okay, we need to go 300 yards that way. And we would just take off. And we followed all the steps, and everything seemed good and right until we got to this one place where it told us that we were to go east about 300 feet to get to the next point. Well, the problem was 300 feet east was in the middle of a lake. And I'm not the smartest one in the group, but I'm thinking, hey, we're not working on the swimming merit badge today. We're working on the hiking merit badge. Something's wrong. And it was at that point, I think I blacked everything out. I was like, ah, we done failed it. And we did. We didn't make it in our time there today. And what we did learn, though, was metal and um, these little, uh, what do you call these things, compasses don't work well together. And so as he was holding the compass next to his belt, the metal in his belt was throwing us off several degrees every time. And so over a course of time we were way off of our market. And as I said, we failed that day at getting our merit badge badge. Now, I will say this, it was just ignorance on his part and our part of how these things work. And I would say that he was probably a great guy. Probably a great guy. But he was a bad leader. Now, it wasn't a bad leader in the sense it was intentional. It was just ignorance It caused us to fail. And that is a pretty mild, moderate story of bad leadership. But I think every one of us can agree this morning, if we just open our eyes and listen for a moment to the things going on in the world and in the families today, we are in desperate need of good leadership. We're not in a desperate need for leaders. I mean, we have a plethora of people wanting people to follow them. For instance, Twitter, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Hey, like us on Facebook. Add me as a friend. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. And social media, we see it all the time, right? The goal is to get as many people as you can to follow you. We look at the likes on the posts that we make. We have a ton of people that want to lead other people we have it in government we have leaders we have an education system in our world in our families even in religion and I'd say marginal Christianity we have so many opportunities for people to lead us the problem is is when we allow all those different avenues of influence to come in our life it's like opening a portal in our mind and allowing all this influence to be dumped or downloaded into our minds and our hearts and I think that we can all agree that the results of that bad leadership over generations has been terrible and tragic, amen? And so I think there's a call to good leadership. And I said in my prayer, and I mean it with all my heart, this is not a dad sermon. So hu- wives, don't nudge your husbands and say, you need to listen up, this is for you, because everybody's leading someone. I mean, you may be a dad leading your children. You may be a mom leading children. You may be in a workplace leading other people, friends, peer pressure. I mean, we're surrounded with opportunities every day to lead someone. I think everyone in this room could benefit from the lesson um, that we're going to learn in Samuel's example today. So are you with me? So I would like to point out to you six things, uh, six characteristics of a good leader. Because the stakes are higher today, I believe, than they've ever been before. We're in desperate need of good leadership. So let's look back at the text. The first one, and and by the way, this is an acronym for the word leader. So as you write this down, I I would encourage you to do that and just uh, go through it later and and just evaluate your own life and say, if I want to lead well, Especially at the end of my life, looking back, I want to know that I have led well. What are some good characteristics of a leader who leads well? The first one is L. Lead yourself first. You have to lead yourself before you lead other people. Another way of putting that is you need to live with integrity so that you will lead with integrity. Look back at the text. Samuel has handed off the baton of leadership to Saul. And he says in verse 3, Now testify against me in the presence of the Lord and before his anointed one, whose ox... Or, donkey, have I stolen? Have I ever cheated any of you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe and perverted justice? Tell me, and I'll make it right whatever I have done wrong. We're seeing that he's asking, hey, how did I do? I'm putting it out there, and I'm giving you the opportunity as witnesses to testify against me this day. I led you all this time from my youth to now. How did I do? And and we can see Samuel led with integrity. I believe Samuel was a faithful priest. I know that because as Eli was coming to the end of his priesthood God told them, I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me faithfully. And I I believe Samuel did that. I think he was a great leader and he led with integrity. He lived the life of integrity, therefore he led with integrity. He was morally and spiritually flawless in that area. Now he left the door open. Hey, because he's imperfect, we're humans, right? If I have done something wrong, tell me what it is and I will make it right with you. So to lead yourself first before you can lead other people, to lead with integrity, to live in integrity, that means an adherence to a moral or ethical principles. It's like you got these values in your life, that you're saying this is what guides me and I'm stuck to these things and I'm not going to veer off of that. That's to live with integrity. Now contrast that with what we have today and what we see today. We see deceit, corruption, and dishonesty all around us, don't we? The world's crying out for leaders to lead with integrity. And that's what want you to know God's calling us all in that role of leadership to do the same. To lead ourselves first before we lead others. That's the L. The E of that is um, sometimes a difficult thing for us in leadership is to endure with patience and persistence. Sometimes it's like leading cats, right? I'm mean, going to be honest, sometimes in leadership role, you're, you're trying to lead and people are not following your leadership. And we learn from Samuel's example here where he has told them their past. I mean, here's what God did for you, and here's how you responded. You forgot God. And, and later, after he allowed some of these, these uh, enemies to come and, and, and harass you, you cried out to God again, and he sent judges to rescue you. And, and now you, you hear about this king on the other side of the Jordan, and, and you cry out, we need a king, we need a, we need a king. And he, he just reminds them over and over of all the bad choices that they have made. But there's one word, I circled it in my Bible, it's in verse 14 and in verse 20, that I think is a very important word for leaders. And the word is now, N-O-W. So what he's saying is, hey, you've messed up. You can't go back and unring that bell, but where do we go from here? What do we do as leaders going forward? Many times over the years, I've had people come into my office and it's like they're holding their life out in front of me. Like, this is the mess that I have created with my choices. I don't know what to do. And my counsel always this, I can't go back and undo that. But what I want to do as a leader is find a place where we can start and go forward from here. And and as a a leader, if you want to lead well, we need to learn to endure with patience and persistence. That means no quit, don't give up. To always be willing to lead, to always be willing to stand in the gap and say, okay, look, you know, because I was raised in a generation that, you know, I, I remember my dad specifically saying, not necessarily to me, but to others, like, hey, you made your bed, sleep in it. And some of you probably been raised the same way. Hey, you did it. You did the the crime. Now you're going to do the time. And that was just that kind of harsh reality. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm done with you. I tried to tell you, and you didn't do what I wanted you to do. And and now you made the choice, and you're going to have to live with that choice. Leadership, good leader says, you know what? I'm not going to quit on you now. I want to continue to lead you, even though you make many mistakes. So lead yourself with integrity. Live with integrity so you can lead with integrity. Endure with patience and persistence, that's the E. Are you following me this morning? I can see that you're following me like here, but I mean, is it clicking? Are you, are you writing it down at least in your mind? Hopefully good, because if you're like me, I'm terrible at taking notes. A, this is an important one, aim with purpose. So I always love to watch these archers get out, especially the ones that are really gifted at it. I mean, I was like lucky to hit the target, but these guys that can get way, way back, competition, and just with precision, nail the bullseye every time. Zig Ziglar says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And I think sometimes our approach to leadership is kind of like when we were kids. You know, you get that toy bow and arrow, and you shoot it up into the air, and you watch it, and you hope you don't lose sight of it. I think they made a movie about that, right? And it comes down, and you're just trying to avoid getting hit. That's very foolish, by the way. But I think sometimes we approach leadership that way. We get the title, we're a leader, but there's no aim, And we see in Samuel's example that he always had an aim. He was always pushing them. He was always pointing them. He was always directing them back to God. And I think that's a very important thing for us to remember. As leaders, if we want to lead well, we need to aim with purpose. Mom and Dad, how are you leading your kids? Those people that you have influence over at work, are you purposeful in your aim as you're leading them? Because one day, at the end of our lives, we'll look back and it won't matter how successful we are, or all the things that we accomplished, what will, what will matter is who we've had influence over. Amen? So lead with integrity, endure with patience and persistence, aim with purpose. He says, if you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. Verse 20 says, you have certainly done wrong, but make sure now that you worship the Lord with all of your heart and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. Verse 24, but be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things that he has done for you. What we see is Samuel aiming at the target every time he's directing people back to God. We saw in chapter 7, he directed them back to the Lord before they were victorious over the Philistines. So, If we want to lead well, one of the characteristics is to aim with purpose. We're halfway there. How are you doing? So, D, this one's important, and that is discourage rebellion by giving them warnings of the consequences of disobedience. It's a lot to write down, but just imagine this discourage rebellion by warning. You know, we all are familiar with little kids that walk up to a hot stove, and a loving father will say, Don't touch that, that's going to hurt. That's gonna leave a mark. And you know, some of us, not all of us, might have a kid that goes, hmm, you know? Test it, and we're like, don't do it. It's gonna hurt. I mean, we're giving the warning, right? We're giving the warning, we're telling what the consequences are, and I think that we need to remind people in life that there are consequences to the choices that we have in life. We talked about that last week. Choices have consequences, so we should choose wisely, or we should be careful what we, we ask for, what we do in those choices. And so Samuel lays out for them. He aims them with purpose to the Lord, but then he also gives them the flip side or the warning against their rebellion. In verse 15 he says, if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors. He told them at the end, he says, but if you continue to sin, You and your king will be swept away. He was good at giving the warnings. And I think that that's something that we need to, as leaders, bring back to the generations that are following us. And say, listen, there are consequences to sin. There are are warnings that we should try to avoid and and, and save us from a lot of the pain that we experience in this life. If If I'm preaching truth, say amen. So leadership, good leadership... We, we need to learn to discourage rebellion with the warnings. Hey, listen, I know that this sounds so foreign to you, and I know that you're fighting it with every ounce of your, your flesh, but just trust me, God's ways are better. And, and if you disobey God, if you rebel against the Lord, his hand will be heavy upon you. Just things are not going to work. And so I want to aim you with a, with a greater purpose to, to look to him, to trust him and him alone. Discourage rebellion with warnings. That's the D. E is a little bit of an archaic word for us because we would simply just say pray, but for the sake of this acronym, it's entreat, which means to ask for, to plead with someone, but entreat God on behalf of others, to lift up those that you're leading to the Lord. Let me tell you why I think that's important because sometimes, as I said earlier, it's like herding cats. And you can lead with example, with integrity, with character. You can aim them in the right direction. You can give them all the warnings. But at the same time, we know that there was a responsibility on those that were leading. Amen? If you're a parent with kids, you know this is true. I've watched parents that have done all the right things leading their kids, uh, taking them to church, investing heavily in their life, homeschooling, everything they could do to ensure that their kids were aimed, if you will, in the right direction, only to see those kids do stuff that's completely out of the ballpark of where they were led and the examples that were given to them from their parents right so we need to pray for those that we are leading I think this was interesting where Samuel said you know he's, he's through with his leadership position but he's still going to be a prophet and he's still going to teach them uh, what is good and right and he says this way um, as for me I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you, I love that I will not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you, I'm going to pray. In fact, I'm so passionate about prayer, I think it's a sin to not do it. That's what Samuel's saying. And I know how I approach prayer. I think it's a blessing to you if I pray for you. His perspective is totally different. I think it's sinning against God if I don't pray for you guys. So he said, I won't sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And so I would say for us to lead well, let's entreat God on behalf of the ones that we lead. Mom, dad, pray for your children. Uh, Boss, pray for your employees. Employees, pray for your boss. They may have the title leader, but they're like aiming in the air like we said a little ago. I mean, pray for them that they will lead, lead well. There's power in prayer, and we should entreat God on behalf of other people. I think it's interesting also, I might just throw this in. Samuel, I believe, was an excellent leader. I believe he was faithful to God. But all these things don't guarantee Success, As I said earlier, there's the choice that even the next generation is going to make. Those that we're leading are going to make. And so it's no guarantee. And the proof of that is Samuel's sons. Now, it'd be neat for me to kind of pick on Samuel or his wife, but the scriptures don't tell us that. It just simply says that his sons didn't walk the same way their dad walked. And I don't want to uh, presume that maybe Samuel didn't do a good job leading because scripture is very clear that he was a faithful priest. And I, I believe he led well. But the reality is, and the heartbreaking reality is, sometimes you can do everything right and you still see um, the negative results of our leadership. And I think that's even more of a burden for us to pray for those that we lead. Amen? The last one is R. And I think this is important and it's worth saying is raise your voice and speak truth. Look at what he says again in verse 23. As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you, and I will continue. I'm going to raise my voice. I'm going to continue to teach you what is good and right. I'm going to raise my voice, and I'm going to spit truth, and I'm going to continue to teach that truth even when it becomes unpopular. How many of you know in our world today, there's things that we hold to as Christians that are not popular to pop culture? They want us to shut up. They want us to sit down. And so I love it when someone posts something on Facebook, this meme, and it's like they're, they're just nailing truth. And someone will usually put in the comments, say it a little louder for us in the back. What they're saying is, speak up and speak the truth, Right? Raise your voice and speak the truth. I think now more than ever, we as followers of Christ should stand up and continue allowing our voices to be heard. Because there is a, uh, a push against our standards, our morals, our convictions. And if we want our children and our children's children, the generations that are coming up behind us to know who God is, then we got some work to do. In fact, uh, Shane Pruitt, I believe he's the president of the SBTC, he he, he did this thing called the four-generation fade. Listen to it, how it works. First generation, the parents don't make church a high priority for their kids. I mean... It, or excuse me, yeah, they don't make it a high priority. Now, when I was little, it's like you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If you were sick, you went to church. If you came in late on vacation on Saturday, you went to church. If you were on vacation, you found a church, you went to church. It was a high priority in that first generation. But the kids of that generation grow up because those parents didn't make it a high priority. The kids grow up and make it less of a priority. So it's still a priority, but it's less. Of a high priority, it's just it's just a priority. Well, those kids grow up and they make it no priority for their kids. And you've heard us say many times, what we do in moderation, our kids take to excess. And so, because it's no priority for their kids, the next generation grows up with no concept of God. Four generations. So priorities today impact. Generations. Some of the decisions you and I make today in this room in our role as leaders will impact generations that we may never ever meet. Have you thought about that? I mean, I may be blessed to live to see a great grandchild, maybe, but what about the generation to follow them? The principles, the priorities that I have in my life today will impact generations. And so I would say raise your voice and speak truth in your families. Raise your voice. Continue, even though it's unpopular, to speak truth. The stakes are high. The stakes are dangerously high. And we live in a culture that is fighting against us. But I believe that God is calling us, all of us, young, old, rich, poor, mom, dad, doesn't matter. All of us have a role of leadership. And, and I don't know about you, but I want to lead well. In fact, I think about that a lot, that when my life is over, I I used to love and adore my grandpa named Wes. In fact, I loved him so much that I named my first son, his middle name is Wesley, and my son named his son Wesley. I mean, it's just this, I, I adored this man named Wesley because he invested in my life, he loved me, he wanted me, he just modeled to me what love looked like. And I think about just how important that is for us to, to make a difference. And at the end of my life, I want to know that I, it wasn't about how much I accomplished in life, how much money I made or what I did in my profession or how big a church got or you know, whether you get a radio thing, which I have no desire whatsoever for. I mean, those things don't matter to me, nor should they matter to us as well. I think sometimes we put all the focus there. And at the end of the day, if you want to leave your mark on the next generation and the the next generation to follow them, if you want to leave a mark, we leave our mark not by what we accomplish but by who we influence. Proverbs chapter 28, listen to what it says. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. When there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But... Wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. We need wise and knowledgeable leaders. We need to lead well. Amen? And so I would end with this, and I would say, to lead well, follow the ultimate leader. Follow the Lord. And when those other people follow you, you will lead them well. But it starts with you following the leader. Amen? Lead yourself. Lead them so that when those other ones follow you, you'll know that you're leading them well. So let me ask you a question, and as a close, who is it that you have influence over? Who is it that you're leading? Now, Some of you are like, man, my kids are grown and gone. Mm-mm, you're not off the hook yet. You still have influence. Some of you said, hey, man, I've blown it as a leader. I mean, there's no way I can recover. As long as you draw breath into your lungs, there's still time to make influence in somebody's life. Amen. So wherever you're at, whatever realm of influence you may have at school, at work, at home, in your country, in church, wherever it may be, do you recognize the need in your own personal walk to be a leader that leads well? Because the stakes are high. So who is it that you're leading and how is it that you are leading? Listen, I don't want anybody to feel beat up this morning because we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. I've made plenty of them myself. But I've learned from scriptures that God uses those mistakes and he uses broken people and I simply want to inspire us to see what's in front of us and to see that the stakes are higher today than they've ever been before and take up that challenge of leadership and say you know what as for me I'm going to do my best to lead with integrity now I'm going to I'm going to do my best to lead my family to lead myself first because I know that most of what my kids are going going to learn it's not what I teach them but it's what they're going to catch from me and so I want to lead with integrity I'm going to endure, I'm going to be patient, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to give up in this role of leader, and I'm always going to find a way. How do we go from here forward? I'm always going to aim with purpose, I'm going to make sure that I'm always pointing them to the source, and the source is God and God alone. Listen, the world may say, oh, there's different, different ways to lead people. I'm speaking to the church, amen? I'm speaking to those of us who say that we, we follow Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that we trust God as our, our, our God and King. We need to aim with purpose. We should remind ourselves that to discourage other people with warnings. It's okay to say, hey, listen, what you're doing is not healthy for you. What you're doing, God's not going to mock for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so I want to implore you to please, please stop that. Please turn from that dangerous lifestyle. We need to discourage rebellion with warnings. And we need to crank it up, especially in our days today to pray for those that God has given us leadership over. to Say, God, would you help me as I lead these people? Would you give them hearts to follow your counsel and your will? And may we always step up and preach truth. May we always step up and be willing to say what's right, even when it's no longer popular in pop culture, even when cancel culture says you can't do that. Say, you know what? I'll apologize when God apologizes. And guess what? God's not apologized, so I'm going to speak it. Six characteristics of a good leader. We are in a season of life that is in desperate need of good leadership. And my hope would be that you would see your place in that. And and you say, all right, God, I I need to reevaluate the way I'm leading. And I want to aim on purpose. and, And I want to leave my mark. And it's not about the money in my bank account or the toys in my garage or um, all the things that I've accomplished in my life. I mean, that might get written on paper, but what's going to get etched in the hearts of the generations to follow is the influence you had in their lives. And so my prayer is that each one of us are challenged this morning. And imagine what what it would look like. Imagine what your families would be like, the grandchildren. For me, it's amazing how our perspective changes throughout the years. I remember when I was a young father, it's like, I don't even know what to do with a kid. I hope I don't break it, right? I mean, you're just trying to figure things out. And, um, and then you get the adolescent years and you're wondering, I mean, you're second guessing your choice of being a parent. You're thinking, man, this is not going like I want it to go. And then you get the teenage years, it gets even harder. And then you get to the, the season where they're growing up and they're flying the coop, and for me, it's a party. It's like, woo, finally, I'm making money again, right? And they start having kids of their own, and I see it so clearly now when I look into my grandchildren's eyes. Oh, I'm gonna have a voice in their ears if mom and dad allow it, amen? Never through leading. God's looking for leaders, and I hope that you will rise to that challenge to lead well because the stakes are high, amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the examples that we've looked at over the last few weeks in Samuel. And Lord, as we wrap up this time looking at Samuel and his character, I thank you for his example of leadership. Lord, I thank you for him modeling it for us so that we could just look and catch a glimpse of what good leadership looks like. And we recognize the need for it in our country today. We recognize it in our churches and in our families and our workplaces. We see the need all around us. Father, my prayer is that you would put a spark in each one of our hearts, that you would put a hook, put a desire, wake us up from our slumber, that we would see the urgent need for good leadership in our families, in our community, in this world today. God, that we would not allow the examples that were set for us, our own dads that maybe failed in that area. We won't be victim to that or allow that to keep us from engaging um, in this this challenge. But, Lord, we would learn from the other examples you put around us. That we would learn from the ultimate example of you, the father to the fatherless, and be the example that you've called us to to be. That we would lead with integrity. Lord, that we would not cause anyone to stumble as we lead them. Lord, Lord. Uh, in in this life. And so, Father, would you please speak to our hearts, challenge our hearts, Lord, that we would uh, see our role and we take our role seriously. And, Father, at the end of the life, when we can look back and see the fruit of our labor, the fruit of the investment, Lord, to see the next generation serving you and to see that next generation serving you and to see your body built up, Lord, as in the church and strengthened Because we take our role of leadership seriously. Help us to not uh, be thoughtless, aiming in the air and just hoping that everything turns out well in the end. But help us to, with purpose, draw back on those arrows of those people that we lead. Aim them at you and release them with confidence. Knowing that it's in your hands at that point and in their hands as well that they follow you and they would repeat the process. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all you do. God, be glorified in our lives as we leave this day. Be with the fathers, Lord, as they are honored today. Lord, encourage, equip, inspire. Help them to know just how important they are in their role as dad and the family. Father, I pray that you'd be honored in their lives and ask it in Jesus' name, amen.